Welcome to CTN, CIO Talk Network, with your host, Sanjo Gall. All comments, views, and opinions expressed on this show are strictly those of the host, guests, and callers. Now, here's Sanjo Gall. Hello and welcome to CTN. To learn more about the show, please visit CIOTalkNetwork.com. And the topic for today is Steps to Enabling a Digital Culture. So digital transformation, it is a buzzword and we have done a lot over the years in this area. What organizations have tried to do has they, they have tried to exploit the analytics, the AI and all the data centric capabilities. They've also tried to do things related to modernizing the core technologies they have so that they can exploit digital. And then even use digital transformation to look within and operationalize the whatever the operations they have, they want to optimize those operations. All of that said, it's great as part of the digital transformation effort. But what about the underlying digital culture that you need to develop? Because that's where everyone who you involve would be open to embracing risk. They would be committed to changing the siloed mindsets and as a team would like to stay focused, relentlessly focused on the customer. In absence of that digital culture, we have seen many organizations failing in their digital transformation effort. But what can we do different, better, or new? To discuss this, I have with me Timu Salmi, Senior Vice President, Chief Information Officer with Stora Enzo. Hey, Timu, how are you? I'm good, thanks. Great to be here. Thanks for having me today. Absolutely, sir. The pleasure is ours. So let's jump in. We all want to invest in digital and want to be successful. And organizations have jumped on this bandwagon quite a bit for quite a few years. And we have had mixed results. So these are measurable projects when we talk about, you know, you want to operationalize a certain, uh, optimize a certain aspect of the operation, or you want to do an AI and analytics kind of project or capability or modernize a core technology. That's great. It's a project start and end with a well-defined outcome. When we talk about digital culture, which is the focus of this topic, it's fuzzy for many. Mm. So what should be a tenets of a good culture And is there a way for us to measure or to benchmark it at different points in our digital transformation journey so that we know we are making measurable progress, if at all? Hmm. I think it's a a great question. And I I think there's probably many answers to those questions, right? And I I think you mentioned a couple of them already in, in, in your introduction to the topic today, right? But if I look at a couple of enabling factors from our perspective, how we have approached it. I think that, you know, usually when I talk about successful digital transformation, I talk about the five C's. You know, that you, any company who wants to be successful with the digital transformation needs to have the five C's. And I think, you know, one of the C's is related to C-level commitment. I, I think, you know, if the leadership, the executive leadership, doesn't believe in in the digital transformation and doesn't understand, it's a literacy question as well, what does it actually mean to drive digital transformation 
you know, I'm afraid that you're going to have maybe a small innovation hub just to get the tick in the box saying, yeah, we are doing some digital transformation, right? But if you have real C-level commitment, then actually it's, a, it's an executive team that cares, that follows up and actually allocates to second C, which is capital. Because you need money, you need funds to actually drive an innovation agenda, to drive a digital transformation agenda. Because without money, without the capital, it simply ain't going to happen, right? So a couple of the C's is in a C-level commitment and, and then, of course, the capital in order to, 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 to uh, make it happen. And I, a third element, which is then, it, it's a vehicle that you need as well. Now I'm jumping out of my five C's and, and, and I, I want to share with you one thing that we have done, I think, uh, quite successfully in order to get the innovation vehicle going. We, talking about the C and the capital allocation, we decided for almost five years ago to spend over 10 million euros every year in digital innovation. So then you're probably asking yourself, how? <laughs> how are you spending that money? And we, we invented something we call a DigiFund. So we believe in the innovation power of all our employees. We're a company of 25,000 employees, and we believe in the innovation power of all of our employees. So we said that anyone who has a great idea of how to you know, improve something, improve efficiency, improve the ways of working that we have today, or has an idea of a new business development, new revenue streams or new business models, can apply funding from the DigiFund to test that idea. And then we have created a process for how to very quickly go from a concept to a proof of concept to a pilot and then, you know, MVP and eventually a rollout and scale up if, if it actually is something successful, right? So that for us has been an extremely good vehicle to build a culture where people actually are allowed to, to ask for funding, allowed to spend time on digital innovation. And obviously not, not everything is successful, right? I, I think we can count to some 10, 15% of success stories out of all the digital innovation we've done in the past years through the DigiFund. Now, what you've shared, of course, are the core tenets of how make how to make digital transformation successful. While you may envision something in, in among the top brass, right? People at mm -hmm. the top, and you would give some blessings and support. But then bringing the discussion back to culture, that's where it is the individuals on the ground who you expect to behave in a certain way understand that there will be very uh, different or new or innovative things or things they, for which they will have to come out of their comfort zone to operate, that would be required of them. And you have to come out of being territorial in your respective department and start thinking holistically. And you will have to keep going to keep focus on your customer as we go about going digital because at the end of the day, you're doing it for the customer. Mm. All of that requires not just, you know, the numbers, not just the tech. You need the same people who used to work in the pre-digital era to shift mm. mentally, emotionally, uh, the kind of support they are expecting so that they blossom. And when they blossom is when digital transformation dream will actually be fulfilled. 
But that's where it seems like the culture part has been fuzzy at best. And the progress in building a digital culture, that's not understood and or measured to a point where you're feeling satisfied. So, and in absence of that, we are really not able to pinpoint our finger why, even though we are spending the same type of money, giving the same kind of blessings from the top, but still the change is not happening. So let's, let's, let's dig deeper into this culture. What is so out of control, out of bound, or confusing about digital culture, which we are not able to put our fingers on? And I think if, if, I be, if I continue to build on the story then, I think that one way of addressing it and one way of actually looking at it is, is now I'm getting into my third C, which is competence and capability, because there's also a literacy thing here. I mean, you know, of course, culture you have to have, you, you know, you have to be, you won't change culture overnight, but you can inject capabilities in a company to see how you work with, uh, um, with different aspects on innovation, for instance, right, to build the right uh, capabilities and competence and eventually start shifting and start changing the culture, right? Because cultural change, I mean, we're a company, we've been around for over 700 years. So, you know, you don't shift that culture overnight. So it will, it will be an incremental shift, so to say, uh, uh, towards new ways of thinking, new ways of working, accepting failure, stepping out of your comfort zone, etc. just like you mentioned. And, and for us, one success, successful way of doing that has been working with startups. Startups, you know, and we're not in the equity game. We're, we're not there to by the startups. We're there to collaborate in an industry venture approach with startups, right? Saying that we want to be your first big customer for your product and your solution. So, so we have injected the, the, the startup mentality and also actually developed a training program for our most senior leaders uh, where we are putting them side by side with startups to learn how startups are working, why they are so agile, why they are so fast, and we have also connected that to some university studies together with the university in Finland. And we run programs of six months where these senior leaders have get, gotten an insight in how startups work, then coming back to their line position in the organization to start changing our ways of working with the learnings that they've been getting from working with the startups. You know, you have to get an outside-in perspective, is my view, in order to start changing the culture. It's very, very hard to do an inside-out transformation when it comes to changing culture. You need the sparks. You need the ideas. You need to see different things. And I think it's a, it's a lot of a leadership question that you dare and that you challenge and that you look at new opportunities of doing what you've done previously in a different way for the future. So very interestingly, you mentioned, uh, you know, partnering with startups and they are naturally built to uh, move uh, at a very warp speed or shift their directions and be more nimble than a larger organization. So, yes, that is good to get something done. And essentially you are outsourcing capability building there. Now, if you have your own own organization and since those people are slow to move and or the people who are well entrenched in the pre-digital 
culture, if you will, if you have to change it, your response to the question was, we build capabilities. Now, those same people who are not as interested in building capabilities, or perhaps they don't have the core DNA. So are you saying that if someone were to use uh, the path to building a digital culture to start from building capability first, and the capability in order to build capability, the existing people are not either qualified or ready for it. So do we clean the house and bring brand new people? And that's how you get the culture built? No, I don't know. I, that's, that's not at all how I see it. Right. And, and then, and one has to realize that in, in a big company like ours, I mean, there are like in any other society, right. There are people who are more prone to change than others. Right. And that you have to respect. Right. And we are all different as human beings at the end of the day. Right. And I, I don't think that you can lift and shift and whole organization over time. And I don't think you even should do that because you have a great lot of assets when it comes to competence and understanding and experience that you don't want to waste. Right. But what I think you should do is to combine that experience, you know, the traditional ways of working with some new ways of working, some new ways of thinking. And if you combine those and, and you get a spark that actually can trigger the the non-prone change people to actually help drive the innovation agenda, that's when you become successful. I think it's in the in the crossroads of of you know if you if you take the example again startup way of working and having the experience from the 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 corporation when that meet in a good way that's when magic can happen let's take a quick break listeners we'll be right back and uh, timu i heard uh, a quote from someone who said you get what you work at so which means if you want a good digital culture you got to consciously and deliberately work on it but then if you were to work on it some companies or many companies for that matter have a vague idea about where they are and where they want to go, which means what is the culture? How can they define the culture with its attributes today? And then a destination, which has got its own set of attributes and what you would define as a culture. So when you are going from one fuzzy to another fuzzy, not sure where we will ever get, or maybe will we ever get to the place where we want to, how can we do better? What could be an approach we can take just focusing on culture for a second and, and crack this problem or at least attempt to crack this problem? What would be your recommendation? Please stay tuned, listeners. We'll be right back and discuss with Timo. Today, enterprise technology is both strategic and global. Each week on CTN CIO Talk Network, IT thought leaders from around the world share their experience with listeners as they discuss with Sunjog All how they are trimming costs and partnering with business to innovate and help IT become more competitive, better care for customers, and improve the corporate bottom line. If you want to keep up with IT thought leadership, listen to CTN CIO Talk Network with Sunjog All at CIO Talk Network. From the boardroom to you, Voice America Business Network.
You are listening to CTN, CIO Talk Network, with Sunjo Gall. To learn more about our program, please visit CIOTalkNetwork.com. Now, back to the show. Welcome back. So, Timo Fuzzy, uh, vision of what the culture needs to be tomorrow and currently not knowing where we are with the culture doesn't really help anyone, whether small or large organization. So if you were to come outside in, maybe get $5,000 an hour consulting fee, right? Whatever that could be, but actually ask questions of a company of where they are with the culture and where they want to go and then help them build a roadmap for it. How would you have done something like that? Give your best shot. Oh, that's a million dollar question almost. But, but for, okay, for the $5,000 an hour, I'll give a shot at it. Right? <laughs> I'll hold you accountable for it. Uh, now, uh, jokes aside, I, I think, well, I can give you my perspective. Of course, now, spent most of my career in, in, in large corporations, right? Large organizations where you have a line organizational structure. The line is king and you kind of drive your execution throughout the line. And I think that that's one of the big barriers as well to cultural change. I think that, you know, if you want to change the culture, you should probably also organize yourself topical. You should organize, self, organize yourself around a purpose. What do you want to do? What do you want to create? Today, Line organizations with different KPIs, with different measurements, does not always support an innovation agenda that goes across the company because topics usually go across the company. And one thing I would probably look at from a cultural perspective of changing would be that. How do you get rid of the line organization to create teams that actually work with a topic or a purpose more than fulfilling a line KPI? I, th- th- that is at least my experience from being working uh, 25 years in, in larger corporations that you always have to fight the line. And I have asked myself, why? Why don't we organize ourselves a bit different with a topical purpose? So if you were to suggest who are currently responsible for a given line of business or executive management or HR, and you were to ask them, the questions which will tell you where they stand with their culture, what would such questions be? Oh, that's another million dollar question for me. Many of those today. Well, I, I think that, you know, the traditional way would be to look at the PL, you would look at the balance sheet, and, and those would give you the answers are we successful or not, right? But it doesn't tell you anything about how people feel, how motivated, how engaged are people uh, with, with working, with fulfilling those PLs and, and those balance sheets. So the, the questions probably to ask is that, you know, what do you need to, to um, excel and to deliver more when it comes to reaching the objectives of what you're working with, right? Those are the questions that we should be focusing on more because I think that when you have the motivated and engaged people, then you will also deliver the financial results at the end of the day. So I think you should flip the, 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 um, the way of actually measuring and delivering in an organization compared to how we traditionally do it in, an, in, a, in a corporate today. Would you rather give uh, this effort of, of defining a digital culture a chance where the people drive it versus people from the top in ivory tower telling what that culture should be? 
Could it be an inclusive effort? And if yes, how will you pull that off? Suppose you've got thousands of workers coming and each one can give the data, but they would not be as open to sharing the data. And you would then say, okay, let's do an anonymous survey, but then some things will be left uh, to chance on, we don't know whether this data is correct or incorrect. So if you were to get almost rally the troops at the field level and get them to say, guys, we are going to work on our culture. Maybe you'll not word it that way, but somehow get them involved. So they drive it. Don't you think it would be an awesome outcome almost guaranteed because they're the ones taking ownership of it. Cause once you say, this is what's going to be our culture adoption is automatic because they were the owners of and the creators of that culture definition. It, it's, it's, it's very timely question, I would say. Let me give you a practical example. And I mean, if I only look at my organization today, I, I don't have a big organization in the IT and digital organization. We're roughly 500 people today, uh, globally based, uh, mainly European, but I have some, uh, a smaller department also in China, right? Every year we run something called an all leaders meeting where, where we look at our strategy, we look at where we want to go, what's the company strategy and how do we make sure that IT and digitalization is not the fifth wheel, it's actually the, you know, incorporated in the engine of the company. And, and this year's all in, uh, leaders meeting happens next week, actually, and we have three topics on the agenda. One is the, you know, look at, we have just tuned, I would say, our company strategy. What do we need to do to tune our strategy? And the other second, the two other uh, uh, topics I have is leadership and culture. And when we're going to work these topics, we're going to do exactly what you said. We're going to work them bottom up. We know where we want to go because, I mean, we know not, not where the company is heading. Now we're going to work the strategy bottom up and we're going to work the culture bottom up a second step. So, so in order to fulfill our strategy, what is one, the leadership we need, two, the culture, ship, culture we need to have in order to enable the, the, um, the uh, execution of our strategy as well. And this is not me, my leadership team, or my boss telling us what the culture should be. It is actually exactly what you say. We're doing it bottom up with the people of the organization saying, what do you need in order from a culture perspective to excel and deliver on our targets, right? So we are, we are doing exactly that. Now, when you are looking at the cultural aspects among many that could exist, right? Which one would you say are the most critical for digital success? Well, I, I think th there is this, you know, classical, you know, allow failure, right? And fail fast and those, they might be classical and they might be a bit boring uh, statements, but they are so very true, right? And there's another thing, I don't know if it's culture or practical, but you need to make sure that people get time as well. You know, you have to have time in order to change culture. If you just keep running, 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 running and never pause and reflect and look in the back, uh, back rear mirror, uh, rear view mirror and say, what happened actually? You're not going to be able to change your own future, whatever it's all about, right? So, so you need to set time aside to, to reflect and, and to, 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 to build the future, right? And then, you know, failing fast. I think that that is also, once you innovate, once you try, Allow people to fail. I mean, failure is not a failure. If you bring the learnings from your failures with you for the future, it's actually an investment. And I think these are the things that you need to incorporate in, in, in leadership ways of looking at, at, at failure, that failure is good if you just bring it with you for, for, for the future, right? 
those are fundamental things that I at least try to work. And it, this goes back to leadership because culture and leadership, they go hand in hand. For me, you can't separate those because the way you act as a leader, the way you speak as a leader, not only as a single leader, but all leaders in an organization, that is what all your employees will listen to and look up to. And actually, you have to not only speak, you have to also show it and, 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 and walk the talk, so to say. But if you do that, and if you actually show that you appreciate people when they act according to what you say, and you, you give positive feedback, then of course you are starting to change the culture and people will dare more and more to, to, to change towards the, the culture that you want to implement. So some of the attributes, I'm going to just list them out for you, meaning or purpose of where you're going and why, then respect or fairness or trust and integrity or responsibility and accountability. These things are not directly connected to digital, mm, no. but to what degree? But, but they are far more foundational, if you notice, right? Mm. Any organization should have it. Yes. So do you think for us to really uh, rethink a culture, we got to start at that ground level, at a human level versus thinking company first. So we are talking result orientation, for example, or we talk about a decision-making. These are all... Um, you know, company-centric or corporate objective-centric. But if you want to fundamentally change people, should we not be looking at respect and fairness and trust and integrity and meaning and purpose? Because people follow or follow a vision which has a purpose. So they say companies follow a purpose or people follow a purposeful organization or want to work with a purposeful organization. So can we in some way give digital culture uh, a flavor or maybe define it in form of a purpose that a company is trying to meet so that there is an automatic following by the people versus us saying, we want to go here as a business because we are paying you, you follow us there. Yeah, you know, I, I don't think it's a trade-off, to be totally honest. I think you need both. I think that both need to coexist, right, to a certain extent. I mean, you know, you have certain company objectives that you have to meet. I mean, you know, that, that's given. But I think a lot, a lot about the how, how to execute it, how to get there. There you need to have some freedom. I think and that freedom looks a bit different based on what you do. On, on, in your daily job, right? I mean, take an example. If you're an operator running a machine, maybe you shouldn't get too much freedom in how you operate that machine because that might actually ruin the whole production for a day or a week or so, right? So, so while when you're doing some innovate, innovative tasks, right, maybe that, that's when you have to have the totality of freedom. So I, I think it's not a trade-off. You, you need both and you need to have process orientation and you need to have open uh, innovation culture as well. And I, I liked some of the words that you used there describing, you know, culture. I mean, my, my culture and leadership philosophy that I actually uh, developed myself when I was growing up as a leader, I, I usually talk about AAA, you know, I, you know, AAA from many perspectives of, of uh, uh, you know, I, I usually take the financial inst uh, industry as as as, uh, as the example, right? If you have a AAA financial grade, that's usually where, where companies want to go from a financial perspective. And, and then you're world class, you're kind of outstanding. I mean, you have the best financial uh, possibilities to excel. 
And I, I put that analogy into people. I want the people in our organization to be AAA, right? And then, of course, what are those trip? What, what does the AAA stand for? Accountability, availability, and attitude. And of course, if you start talking about these things, you have this story, and this story I have presented to my team now a couple of years, and we're working with the AAA deployment and implementation of what that means for us. And, and that's where you can actually start then, you know, tying up your cultural change and your cultural transformation on these topical uh, things, right? So we, AAA for us is the kind of the leading star and has been for me in, in various companies when I were, or various positions I've been working in. I always bring that with me because it's close to my heart. I believe in clear accountability, be accountable. And I, I, I believe in availability and be there for your colleagues, be there to support and be there to help. And last but not least, attitude, right? With the right attitude, you move mountains. And, and I think that attitude is so fundamental, positive, can-do, winning attitude, then, then, then that goes before any kind of competence or capability in my book. Let's take a quick break, listeners. We'll be back. And uh, Timo, when we come back, let's talk about the mistakes people make or the learnings that we get along the way as we try to build the digital culture and introduce such related attributes in an organization. What are the gotchas and the pitfalls we must watch out for as we are trying to transform the culture, or at least enable a digital culture? And how can, if the problems you already see in place before you tackle it, how do you go about addressing such challenges so you get over them and you're well on your way to building that conducive digital culture? Please stay tuned, listeners. We'll be right back and explore. Today, enterprise technology is both strategic and global. Each week on CTN CIO Talk Network, IT thought leaders from around the world share their experience with listeners as they discuss with Sunjog All how they are trimming costs and partnering with business to innovate and help IT become more competitive, better care for customers, and improve the corporate bottom line. If you want to keep up with IT thought leadership, listen to CTN CIO Talk Network with Sunjog All at CIO Talk Network. When it comes to business, you'll find the experts here. Voice America Business Network. You are listening to CTN CIO Talk Network with Sunjo Gall. Now, back to the show. Pitfalls and gotchas. A lot of them could happen as you try to introduce a culture or fix a culture so that it's conducive for digital. What are those? What did you experience while working at your current organizations or you've seen your peers working in their respective organizations? And what are some of the solutions which work to address such challenges or issues as you go about building the conducive culture for digital? Hi. I would say, you know, one of the, the pitfalls is, you know, if, if you think about, I don't know, necessarily directly related to digital culture, but, but culture in general is, is, is the not invented here syndrome. I, I think that one I've come across in, in many of my positions and also now in, in the job that I'm doing currently, right? I mean, the, 
there is a suspiciousness towards things that you have not been inventing yourself, you know. And, and why is that? Why, why, why shouldn't there be a more, uh, you know, openness to, to, to work with ideas and stuff that has been developed by someone else that could benefit you as well in whatever context that might be? So, of course, that's a hindrance for, for building an, uh, an open end-to-end culture in any company because you're closing out. You're not letting in. You're not really listening. You're not being transparent all the way, right? So I think not invented here syndrome is something that, 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 that I've come across quite a lot in, 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 in many of my uh, jobs that I've had, right? And that's, of course, also not only a hindering from culture development, it's also hindering from a benefit realization perspective because it, it's hard to, for instance, scale up and scale out ideas as well if, if you're not open to listen and to learn and understand from others, what they have done that actually makes a lot of sense to you and what you do on a daily basis as well. So, I mean, you're neglecting learning, you're neglecting kind of investments and you're neglecting, you know, the transition of competence from someone else to yourself and your organization. Those are classical pitfalls that I've, been, that I, that I've seen now and also in the past. Now, if you were to figure out uh, a game plan, suppose you come in as a consultant or anyone who's trying to get started with building a digital culture, or at least improve from where they are to getting to the best level they can, would you chip away at it or would you say we have to rip and replace? Why I say that is because sometimes the toxicity has a tendency to reappear. The people who were having inertia they're tough to change and you yourself mentioned that, you know, not everyone would agree. Mm. But then that could also, depending on percentages of such people or that sentiment, it will try to, you know, surface again and again and it will grossly undermine your effort that you put in. So are you better off saying that, hey, I will cut my losses or I will rip what it was here today, maybe move people in an island who are, toxic or counterproductive, we'll deal with them separately and start building that culture from scratch? Or would you just say, okay, it's an ongoing journey. I can go for another decade doing so. And let's just chip away at it, do the best we can with what we have. You know, I, I, I like building positive examples. And I, and I think building positive examples is a way is one way of actually starting the journey starting the transformation and getting people on board and also practically understanding why and what made that thing so so successful right so i'm really from that perspective very practical and try to you know live on that and try to build on on, on that for the future as well and and let, let me be very practical on an example as well and well, I can only take once again, go back to, to where I spent most of my career, which is in traditional line organizations, in big corporations where you have a lot of people, where you follow the line, right? And the line is king. I'm saying that again. Sorry for repeating myself, maybe. But one successful learning I, I, I've seen is that when you actually pull out people from different parts of line organization, you give them a horizontal task to solve or a horizontal challenge to, to, to solve, right, an opportunity, and you spark that with some external capability or competence of how to drive change and how to think a bit differently. 
then you actually get the change engine mobilized and you also can move things from, <laughs> you can move the needle for real, so to say, right? And that's when I've seen the best innovation efforts also taking speed when you do that. Of course, you need to make sure that you pull out, at least in the beginning, that you start pulling up people who you know are open-minded, who are you know, open to change and who are also willing to actually contribute a little bit out of their normal kind of day-to-day job role or their day-to-day activity, so to say. And I would say that for me, that those, those initiatives has been the most successful and fruitful. And then, of course, building on that, showing the example, showing the outcome and of what these teams have actually accomplished. And they've done that with horizontal challenges that go cross-line. That's when you have a good starting position to actually do some practical cultural changes in, in any company, I would say. Now, if you would say that you had to look at the people's side, and, and I mentioned about something like trust and integrity, and that the, the purpose, purposefulness of the vision, do you think the way we are approaching enabling digital if we strictly say we got to do digital because we got to meet shareholders' expectations or we have to meet our revenue and profitability goals, do you think there could be some temptation for people to lose their integrity and break trust because they get too anxious to show to the outside world how great we are doing? And then secondly, If you become so business focused that even though you say you're customer focused and business focused, but then you don't have something bigger that you're doing in terms of contributing to the society and others, do you stand to lose the opportunity for people to follow your organization versus taking orders from you? Yeah, my my personal experience is that most people actually are really, you know, uh, loyal and most people are really wanting actually to, to improve, wanting to make a change, wanting to make a difference, right? For me, it also depends a little bit on in what context you put, put an activity. If, if you forcefully drive, you know, objectives that are too far away from the individuals, I think that you will lose the, the, the energy, you will lose the momentum, and, and you will also lose the, the innovation uh, creativity as well that you need. I think that it has to be, you know, as a leader, you know what activities need to be done in order to reach overarching objectives for any organization or company. You just have to mobilize the energy and you have to be able to break that down into m- smaller activities that are close to the people who actually know what to do, so to say, and energize and mobilize the change inertia there to drive those small activities that are really close to these individuals, but where you as a leader know that when they solve those problems, they will actually in small pieces contribute to the bigger picture and actually make you reach your targets and objectives, right? But if you only talk about the high-level objectives and targets, you will actually disconnect, I think, from many people from their daily operations. So if you don't make that linkage and, and, and don't, don't have that end-to-end understanding and view and are able to articulate that and help and mobilize the teams 
uh, on the ground, then I think that you will not be so successful at the end of the day. So let me, you know, compare digital or digital transformation uh, to a sprinter or a marathon runner. You're not doing digital for today. You're embracing it for good. And what you're transforming to right now will become passe in maybe three years, mm-hmm. five years max. Mm-hmm. So you'll have the next new thing that will come. So what you're doing is you're not getting your people to change to just do a hundred meter dash and not to you know, participate again. They're supposed to go for a 36 mile or 25 mile marathon. And the training for a marathon runner is entirely different than from a sprinter. So if you're keeping your focus, there is nothing wrong with it. Keeping your focus into that immediate deliverable, like you mentioned, the person will lose focus on it. But then they will, if, if he only kept focus on that next deliverable, then that you will have to spend multiple times extra time, money, and effort to get those people to become warmed up again for the next immediate thing. So what's that balance that you don't undermine the, the potential of success for the projects you have in hand while you're doing that long-term marathon-centric muscle building of the organization. So any new thing that comes, you are not working on fundamentally shifting your culture yet again. So culture is not being changed for one project or one initiative or one uh, annual report. It's being done for good, right? Because you are building this new muscle, which you will need in times to come. How would you approach something like this? But, but I, I think you, you're, you're spot on there. And I, and I think that what you have to actually disconnect is, of course, the technology piece from the culture itself, right? Because rightfully, you said there will be new technologies in not two or three years, next week, right? The, the pace of the technology development and evolution is just speeding up. It's going faster and faster, right? So, so we are overwhelmed with new technology, right? So it's it's not about technology at all. It is it is about embracing change. That's I mean the companies and individuals in a company who are fast enough to change and adapt to new realities, and that usually does not come from technology, but other things like um, pandemics or whatever, right? They are the ones who will win at the end. So, so you have to be able to deploy a culture where you are receptive to change and receptive to input and understand and digest and, 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 and handle different kind of inputs in order to understand what that means from you and then shift gear based on that an, uh, analysis, right? Whether that is digital, whether that is pandemic related, whether that is whatever related, the companies who build that culture will be the winners at the end. Because if you stand still and neglect the input that you're getting from your surroundings, those will be the first steps towards not the direction any company would like to go. That's my take on that one. Let's take a quick break, listeners. We'll be back. And let's see if there is a way for us to put some governance in the process of changing our culture. What I mean by that is, We got to be able to find if what we set out to do in terms of shifting our digital culture, is that working? Or the changes that we are putting in place at any given time, the benchmarks that we had had established, is it meeting that benchmark? And 
are we even doing that act of checking what we thought we will check, which is governance. And for any governance, we need measures and benchmarks. So in context of digital culture, what kind of a governance would we put in place? What kind of checkpoints we will put in place? What kind of related benchmarks we must institute to ensure what we have set out to do, we are doing it methodically and we are planning for success versus shooting from the hip. Please stay tuned. We'll be right back and explore. Today, enterprise technology is both strategic and global. Each week on CTN CIO Talk Network, IT thought leaders from around the world share their experience with listeners as they discuss with Sunjoke All how they are trimming costs and partnering with business to innovate and help IT become more competitive, better care for customers, and improve the corporate bottom line. If you want to keep up with IT thought leadership, listen to CTN CIO Talk Network with Sunjoke All at CIO Talk Network. When it comes to business, you'll find the experts here. Voice America Business Network. You are listening to CTN, CIO Talk Network, with Sunjoe Gall. To learn more about our program, please visit CIOTalkNetwork.com. Now, back to the show. Welcome back. So, uh, Timu, the governance for any change that we want to bring about becomes very important because we can do all the big talks, right? But then when you have to have the rubber meet the road, people have to come in together and managers, leaders, the, the operational staff, everyone says, yes, we are committing to it. But then as the time goes on, life can happen. Business can happen, which can take us away, take away our eyes on the ball, and we could lose it. So that's exactly where you need to have checkpoints. You need to have a governance in place. And you got to have a measures, which is true for any other project that you might do, technology or otherwise. And should it not be for the culture transformation as well? If we can do it, what would that governance look like? What could, would those checkpoints and measures and benchmarks would look like, which we if put in place, then we are planning or either success is planned. Mm. And, I, and I, I think from my perspective, there's probably a couple of dimensions to that. But I, let me start with maybe a stupid example. I don't know, but I'll, I'll give it a try anyway, right? So, so we are in the midst of, and, and call us old-fashioned, call, call us old, right? But we, we are in the midst of right now trying to take the first steps at, you know, agile ways of working, right? Where we're putting our IT organization and our business organization for a certain business segment together, right? And saying that, okay, let's now get away from the old ways of working, the traditional waterfall projects that takes for ages. Let's look at, you know, deploying agile ways of working and then you can use different you know processes and methodologies safe scrum you, you name it for it right but there actually when you look at the processes and ways of working you actually find very interesting kpis that you can measure whether a culture is changing or not 
take take the simple simple example of, of working agile where you have uh, daily stand up meetings right did they happen did you cover uh, all the topics you were supposed to cover did you update your whiteboard is uh, you know stuff like this simple kpis to actually see that you're working actively with changing the culture practically based on actually processes ways of working right that i think is you know maybe stupid but simple way of, of trying to measure a culture change in in the company and i the second view of this which is more soft i would say than hard is of course when you look at it outside in do you attract the right talent to come work for you how does your external pipeline look like when you recruit people or people do you get a lot of uh, ad hoc uh, asks for for joining your team which we have been lucky with right now i mean in in, in while building up our digital team we've actually had people wanting to join us without having any open positions and of course are you able to attract talent from outside then you probably have a good culture in place because people want to come and work for you as well that's a bit harder to measure of course that's intangible but at least i've seen it and i've been very positively surprised about it because it's a receipt of good work that you're doing establishing a place where people actually want to come and contribute and work with you now what you mentioned uh, about you know getting people in the room and ha- making sure that they are working on it like you say in, in a software project you would do in agile and and make sure things are being measured the conversations that would happen around culture building whether at the planning stage or at the execution stage how do you envision those activities because it's a project right even though we don't want it 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 or it may be a project with no end date per se but at least a foundation building project so how would you expect even a if suppose you were exclusively said do nothing else but help build a digital culture or focus on building a digital culture how would you structure such an effort uh, well I, i think i'll go back again to to what i said previously and if you take if you continue on the example of working agile if you think about what is different with that compared to the traditional ways of working with with classical waterfall projects and and there's a couple of fundamental differences that you have one that you have what i call the end to end organization in place the horizontal organization in place where you have key people from the technology department the it department or key people from the business department who actually on a day to day basis can prioritize what is important actually to do in order to en- enable business success right in classical waterfall project you don't do that so one thing you actually get is that you get the relevant business discussion on a day to day basis happening with the people who needs to discuss it and with the people who actually can make a change and that are accountable for making a change that is a huge difference i would say in the ways of working uh, um, uh, working that way compared to, to waterfall right so the discussions is always about how can we as a team enable the business success and at the end of the day that's what you want that's exactly what you want you want to have an empowered team that can prioritize based on on what they know and is needed for business success you don't want a top heavy organization where all the decisions come from the top you want to give guidance from top and you want to have this self organized self mobilized team to actually fulfill the strategic objectives by making decisions on their own based on 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 being and working together cross functionally one last question Since 
we know there's a lot of uncertainty. You talk about pandemic or the pace of change in business. There are so many things which are shifting on a regular basis and which also means the very people, whether leaders, mid-management or the field staff, all of them are, there is a churn at all levels. And culture essentially is a makeup of what kind of people we have in the organization who think in a certain way and do they think together as one cohesive unit. With all these shifts and the flux that is happening, how can you build a sustained digital culture which will have the staying power and which will not get disrupted every time someone leaves? Well, I, I think that, you know, if you have fundamentally a good ways of working in place that, that you have built bottom up with your organization where, where the people in your organization have contributed to, in telling how you should actually execute your objectives. I don't think that even if you have a churn in, in people and, and leaders, and if you keep on embracing the importance of inclusiveness and making sure that you inclusively de develop and drive the, the change of ways of working and you do it bottom up, I think the bottom up power will always be available in any organization if you just let it flourish, right? I think that would be my, my, my take on that. Once again, thank you so much, Dimu, for sharing your thoughts and insights about how organizations can work on building and enabling a conducive digital culture, which will allow them to exploit the opportunities and also develop their people. Thank you so much. Thanks for having me. It was a pleasure to talk to you. Thank you so much. Absolutely. Thanks again. And listeners, hope you got some value out of the conversation uh, please connect with us on the social media, subscribe to our podcast and stay in touch and continue to give us feedback on how we are doing. Once again, thank you for listening to CTN. This is Sanjog All, your host till next week. Take care and God bless. Thank you for tuning in to CTN, CIO Talk Network, with your host, Sunjoe Gall. To learn more about our program or for show archives, comments, or questions, please visit ciotalknetwork.com. Thank you again for listening.